I remembered something I'd once read. That a representative owes the people not only his industry, but his judgment. And he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. That was written by Edmund Burke, a member of the British Parliament. And in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We must believe in ourselves again, and we must never, never trade our liberty for any fleeting promise of security. I really, uh, I really did just sit here struggling to figure out how I was going to open the podcast today. And you'll note uh, I'm using one of my special intros to the episode. Not for any particular reason. Other than I just felt busting into this episode in, uh, you know, my usual plain old bombastic style of uh, telling you what I was going to talk about, reading over some of the headlines, uh, just didn't seem very appropriate. The past week was a struggle for that's that's not even a good word for it uh that that doesn't even begin to illustrate what a bunch of us went through uh here in the Delaware Department of Corrections some of you might already know what I'm referring to. Some of you might actually not have a clue, uh, depending on how you follow your news. But it was Wednesday, uh, February 1st. 
and uh, the DOC went through hell. And again, that's that's kind of under undercutting. It doesn't really give you a full picture of it. family members and it pains my heart to make these statements. The fourth hostage, Sergeant Stephen Floyd, was found unresponsive and at 0529 Sergeant Stephen Floyd who was with the department for 16 years was pronounced dead this was a very sad day across the state of Delaware with the loss of one of our brave correctional officers. After a torturous 15-hour ordeal that went through the night, we learned of Sergeant Floyd's demise. My prayers all day yesterday was that this event would end with a different result, but it didn't. So today, all of us mourn the family of Sergeant Floyd. These brave men and women go to work every day knowing that they may not come home as do their families. We owe them an incredible debt of gratitude and we owe that family the support of all of us across our state because while today we mourn And tomorrow and for a long time going forward, we also have to investigate what happened here, determine the facts to make sure that it never happens again. The best way that we can honor Sergeant Stephen Floyd is to do this work diligently, together, and expeditiously. We will leave no stone unturned. We will bring every resource that we have to sort out this issue and this problem to make sure that our correctional facilities are secure and that the employees who work there are safe, recognizing that this is very dangerous work. Right now, what we're going through is processing the crime scene, which is that entire building. Uh, that is DOC, 
and the Delaware State Police detectives are going cell by cell collecting evidence. At this time, I'm not able to give you a motive for the attack. I'm not able to give you a description of the weapons other than to know uh, we are aware that some had sharp instruments. Um, but at this time, I have not been presented with what they are. So we're not ready to share that yet either. Um, as far as our other victims, the staff, um, they are alive. Um, obviously, this is a very traumatic event, and we will continue to work with them and work with the Attorney General's office and make sure that the appropriate charges are filed and that the perpetrators are brought to justice. Sergeant Stephen Floyd was uh, posthumously promoted to Lieutenant Floyd on Friday. His, his immediate family was awarded the uh, highest honor the Department of Correction can give the Medal of Valor. And that was, uh, that was during the graduation ceremony of a brand new class of correctional officers who I don't think I, I don't think I found any news clippings or, or press briefings that included it, but I happen to know that uh, they were all scattered uh, about on Wednesday to the institutions that they were going to be assigned to uh, upon their graduation on Friday. Meaning that, uh, meaning that there was, you know, cadets there as that event unfolded at the uh, James T. Vaughn Correctional Center. I probably, I probably should note, I didn't know Stephen Floyd. I probably didn't have any interaction with him, or if I did, it was when... I was a cadet five years ago, uh, either touring the James T. Vaughn building or working there for weeks of uh, for a one-week period of observation. I might have crossed paths with him. I don't really know. And that being said, even though I don't know the man or didn't know the man, uh, even though. I don't work in that building. Uh, Delaware is such a small state, and and but the job—it's the job. Uh, the, you work in a type of law enforcement setting, which I'm tired of people telling me I'm not at this point. Uh, it, I'm a law enforcement officer, whether you like it or not. Um. You just develop close relationships with people at work. It's not like normal office work. It's not like uh, it's not like any other job. Almost law enforcement, you develop different and and sometimes weird type of bonds. Uh, it's weird to say. It's like your own mini dysfunctional family. You've got people that you that you like. You joke around with. You pal around with. You got people that annoy you. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're all wearing the uniform, you're all doing the same job, you're all facing the same stresses, the same dangers, and, you know, it should be noted, uh, this is the first line of uh, duty death for the Department of Corrections that, that we know of. Nobody's ever died or been killed in the line of service for the Delaware Department of 
corrections. So it's been kind of surreal. It's put everybody uh, over the past couple of days in a different mind. And rightfully so. Um, It's kind of what makes me wish I gathered my thoughts better. I sat in front of Word documents uh, over the past... I'd say two days over the, over the weekend, really, thinking about typing out what I would say, and literally nothing would come. Literally nothing would come. We're all a little pained. Well, not a little. We're all very pained by it. And it's uh, it's made us all do a lot of thinking. And right now our ultimate goals are to come together, keep each other in check, keep each other's spirits high, make sure everybody's okay. And... Uh, our ultimate goal is to make sure something like this never happens again. Um, there's th- there's things that I can't I can't discuss with it. There's certain aspects that I don't want to discuss with it, out of uh, out of respect for now Lieutenant Stephen Floyd and his family, for my fellow officers, uh, and just for the just for the sake of of professionalism. Uh, something like this happens and, and your mind goes into a lot of different places. His funeral is coming up this weekend, Saturday, and I hope to attend. I have every intention and plan of attending. But it's made me reevaluate some things. Uh, I have I have a boatload of podcast episodes. Probably it's probably at fifty three or fifty four now or higher. There's probably various times where I've said where I, you know I don't talk about my job a lot, but there's probably various times where I've complained about uh, stupid, petty, little things. And I know there's there's even more times in my mind where I've, I've complained or I've griped over what now seems like stupid little things. And it's a, an event like this that makes you say in your head, oh, I wish I never said those things because I'd rather have all those things times a thousand than have uh, what occurred Wednesday, February 1st. I'd rather have a thousand times all my petty little gripes. So, 
let's take that portion of the show. Let's just dedicate that to Lieutenant Stephen Floyd, his family, those uh, those other individuals who were involved in this horrific incident. While none of the other officers lost their lives, they did go through hell. And and one of the things that uh, the the press clippings I just played didn't play out. Um, Stephen Floyd went out uh, went out a hero. He went out warning responders to this incident not to come in and that it was a trap. And there's not there's not even words that can convey that type of bravery. That's a testament into a in and of itself. So let's just take a moment of silence for Stephen Floyd. And before I move on, those of you who know me personally have contacted personally have contacted me personally. Thank you for your thoughts, your prayers, your support. Send it to the way of those individuals involved. Uh, for those of you in the Delaware area listening, there's there's several events going on to benefit Lieutenant Stephen Floyd's family uh, from various places in the community uh, over the course of this next week. Uh, there's There's different... Events being sponsored by stores, by private individuals. If you want to know, just contact me. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction for that. And for all the law enforcement agencies, uh, Delaware has uh, all the Delaware agencies have stepped up, stood by us side by side, wearing the morning bands over their badges. Uh, th- there's even been nationwide outreach. And uh, it's truly a testament to those who dedicate themselves to this. I thank you all for for that. It it just to me it lifts up my spirits over it. Um, so thank so thank you. That being said, uh, as hard as it is to go into my wacky, zany, uh, stupid self. I need to do it, and yesterday was the Super Bowl, of course, of all things, Uh, and I was rooting hardcore for the Atlanta Falcons, who kicked the trash out of the New England Patriots for, well, about three quarters, and you know what they say, three quarters of a game, and you still have a whole other quarter to go, and you blow your lead and let the Patriots score 19 points on you. Wow. Wow. There was insane moments during that game. Like, uh, there was one one Julio Jones catch in particular that was just impossible. Like, you watched it and you said, how? That, that is straight out of Madden. Straight out of Madden. And then Edelman followed it up with an even more insane catch being, like, plowed by four or five Falcon defenders. Uh, juggling a ball, falling to the ground. That ball never touched the ground, and Edelman took possession of it. 
uh, for like the uh, probably most insane catch ever in history. You can apparently you can't knock Tom Brady or the Patriots down. My God, I was hoping. I had my fingers crossed. I was like a full fledged Falcon fan. I was ready to buy a Matt Ryan jersey and and wave wave the towels in the air and go nuts for the Falcons. And here come the Patriots breaking records, uh making a historic making probably one of the most historic Super Bowls ever. It, it w- the game went into overtime. First time a, a Super Bowl has ever gone into overtime apparently. That's kind of surprising. I didn't know that. They they the game forced into overtime. Tom Brady threw uh sixty two attempts. Sixty two throwing attempts. Forty three completions. Four hundred and sixty six yards, two touchdowns, and one surprising pick six for the guy. That is insanity. They got five Super Bowl rings now. Five. Is Tom Brady the, the greatest quarterback of all time? Is Tom Brady the GOAT? I, I wish he were a GOAT. I wish that Tom Brady wasn't throwing footballs anymore. But then something like last night happens, and even as even all the hatred that you could pour into a bowl of 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 patriot nation all the hate let the hate flow through you all the hate that you could have for the patriots after watching that game you got to just be like well damn i still hate them but mad respect bro mad respect the good news is that every nfl team is now undefeated well, at the start of next season, every NFL team will be undefeated. And next year, of course, as I do every year, next year, you want to know who you want to know what whose year it's going to be next year? That's right. That's right. Expect more football talk next year. Maybe even some off-season random updates. As they come, but as always, it's always the year of the Eagles. And then when we don't make the playoffs or lose in the playoffs, that's a, you know, I crack open a six-pack and watch the Super Bowl, very angry and frustrated, hoping that if the Patriots are in it, that they lose. At least that's been the pattern for the last couple of years. Uh, so in, in light of the events that have happened in the past week, and the fact that I've been a little, I've had a lot on the mind and at work I've, I've had to deal with a lot of different emotions and thoughts. Uh, it's, it, it, it has been an on and off struggle the past week. You'll have to forgive me, I'm a, I'm a wee bit behind. Uh, and considering the circumstances, I think you can be okay with it. I'm a, I'm a wee bit behind on, uh, on my politics on my updates, but uh, one of the highlights that happened in the past week, of course, was uh, Donald Trump 
besides all the th- this is the thing okay Donald Trump uh, he, he he implements the immigration ban correct all right everybody goes up in arms because it was pushed out hasty not very well looked over and caused lots of confusion and caused the news to focus on it and Donald Trump whether uh, whether you like him or not Let's be real for a minute. Donald Trump is a master manipulator, especially in terms of the media. He's a master manipulator. Think about this, man. You're talking about the guy who at the National Prayer Breakfast said we should pray for Arnold Schwarzenegger and his failing ratings for The Apprentice. And Arnold Schwarzenegger fired back, why don't we switch jobs because you're a ratings guy, so you can worry about the ratings and I can worry about the state of the nation. Ha ha ha. And they get into a Twitter feud. And this is the sad thing. This is the leader of the free world. This is our president. A man who engages in stupid little tweet fests with people. I just think it's kind of immature. I I really do. Every time I have to read a tweet from... Now it's at POTUS. He has the at POTUS handle, people. But Donald Trump's going to play a lot of smoke and mirrors. That's what he does. Okay? Something we're going to have to get used to and follow closely uh, because he's doing all these executive orders. And by the way, I'm glad that you're all getting on board with this whole executive orders should be bullcrap. Uh, we, we, we have a, a process for our legal system, for for our laws, for for our policies, our procedures. We have a process for this, and I'm glad that all you are now just starting to get on board with this executive order things is overreach. Uh, where were you 8 and 16 years ago? And prior to that, uh, we I kind of touched up, not the way I wanted to, but we kind of touched up on the executive orders bit. I'm not down with executive orders. If I if I'm going to condemn Obama for executive orders, I have to condemn Trump for executive orders. I can't sit here and go, "Well, that's a good executive order, so I don't care." No. It's not proper. However, one of the big news items was uh, uh Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee pick. And besides the fact that he played it up like some primetime event where it was coming down to the wire of him deciding who he was going to pick uh, and nominate to the Supreme Court, which again is also silly antics uh, for a, a president of the United States to be using. However, and I, I have to say this as a whole too, uh, Donald Trump so far uh, in what he has done, uh, he's so far stuck to what he campaigned on. Which, uh, to some people, it's a bad thing. To some people, it's a good thing. He promised to elect somebody to the Supreme Court that would be worthy a worthy heir to Antonin Scalia. And many people have various different opinions about Scalia and how he interpreted the Constitution. But when Trump announced Neil Gorsuch, much like anybody else, he announces that name and... 
75 to 80 percent of America doesn't know the name that he spouted out. Nobody knew Merrick Garland's name before Obama said it, if that makes any sense. That made me sit. Well, first off, after I did the research on Neil Gorsuch, I sat there and I thought, huh, you know, I can't really criticize Trump at all. And for those of you who have been following along with the po- with the program, know that uh, know my f- thoughts and feelings on Donald Trump, and I'm not going to say it pained me, but I, I really sat there and I thought, it, there's not a way I can criticize this other than his stupid little buildup. Like, who am I going to pick? Who's going to be my Supreme Court nominee? Find out Friday. You know, it wasn't Friday. I forget when it was announced. But that that type of buildup, that type of the, treating it like a reality show, which is what he's going to do, because that's what he's good at. He's good at reality TV. Okay, let's forget about the Bowling Green Massacre and all those who did not suffer in it. Neil Gorsuch, to me, was a solid pick. And here's a little clip from Yahoo News uh, from Katie Couric, of all people. She's with Yahoo News now? What the? Anyway, here's the clip. Listen to some of uh, the Neil Gorsuch business. So, who is Neil Gorsuch? So was that a surprise, was it? Born in Denver, he's no stranger to Washington. He spent his teenage years there while his mom, Ann Gorsuch Burford, served in President Reagan's cabinet. She was the first woman to run the EPA. From Washington, Gorsuch went to Columbia and then Harvard Law School. Not exactly breaking precedent since every current justice went to law school at Harvard or Yale. And he already knows his way around the Supreme Court, clerking for Justice Byron White and later current Justice Anthony Kennedy, both viewed as moderate conservatives. If he gets confirmed, he'll be the first former clerk to sit on the bench with a former boss. After his clerkships, Gorsuch went across the pond and got a doctorate in legal philosophy at Oxford. When he returned to the States, he went into private practice for a decade before heading to President George W. Bush's Justice Department. He then got the nod to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit, an appointment that didn't raise any eyebrows in the Senate, and he was confirmed unanimously. Impeccable credentials aside, Gorsuch is viewed as a solid originalist, a legal philosophy that calls for interpreting the Constitution as it was originally written in the 1780s. Judges should instead strive, if humanly and so imperfectly, to apply the law as they find it, focusing backwards, not forwards, and looking to text, structure, and history, not their moral convictions or policy consequences they think best for society. Democrats and some Republicans disagree, believing the Constitution is a living document that should evolve over time. So you believe the Constitution, or at least the interpretation of the Constitution, is constantly evolving? Yes, evolving to keep pace with a changing society. That difference in philosophy will be center stage at Gorsuch's confirmation hearing. So will the fact that President Obama's choice for this seat I ask that they confirm Mary Garland now to the Supreme Court. didn't even get a hearing when he was nominated. Some Democrats are tempted to try to block Trump's nominee as payback. I have very serious doubts that Judge Neil Gorsuch is up to the job. Mr. President, Madam President, 
The Supreme Court now rests in delicate balance. So, where does Gorsuch stand on the issues? He wrote an article in the conservative National Review criticizing liberals for bringing lawsuits that try to push their social agendas. Gorsuch also wrote a book making the case against legalizing assisted suicide, which anti-abortion advocates believe is a good sign for their cause though he's never ruled directly on the issue. While on the bench, he sided with the arts and crafts chain Hobby Lobby in their case against the Affordable Care Act. Gorsuch said that being forced to provide contraception to its employees was inappropriate and Hobby Lobby shouldn't have to comply. What are the judge's hobbies? He's an outdoorsman who likes to fly fish and ski and was on the slopes when he learned that Justice Antonin Scalia had died. I immediately lost what breath I had left. And I'm not admit, embarrassed to admit that I couldn't see the rest of the way down the mountain for the tears. He really was a lion of the law, docile in private life, but a ferocious fighter when at work, with a roar that could echo for miles. While their judicial philosophy may be cut from the same cloth, he's not as feisty and pugnacious as his predecessor, which could help him navigate the confirmation process. But Democrats are already plotting ways to take the wind out of his sails. So when you hear the name Neil Gorsuch and wonder why he's President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, at least you can say, now I get it. I'm sure you picked out the uh, the, the highlight cases like Hobby Lobby, uh, who that was a court case in which it was ruled that Hobby Lobby didn't have to be forced to uh, provide the benefit of contraceptives because of you know religious differences. There's a debate to be had there for sure. Or rather, there was a lot of people debating it, and it's going to be an ongoing debate because you can be a torn individual. Uh, I'm always torn by this whole we're against... uh, I'm torn by the people who are against abortion but also against contraceptive matters because contraceptive matters can prevent the need for an abortion... In some cases, you know, I don't like to think that people are getting abortions simply because they don't want children. Uh, I, I find that uh, as a means of birth control, as a means that, uh, oh, I don't want this child. That I, I believe I've st- stated that before. Oh, I made a decision to uh, engage in an act that could have led into my pregnancy and did, and I don't want to deal with the consequences or I can't afford to deal with the consequences or you know any 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 other list of excuses you could put out there. I don't like abortion in those cases. Uh, again, I've had you know plenty of women come up. Shut up! It's not my it's not my place to throw my opinion out there. I, I I'm literally just stating an opinion though. So I don't want people to get up in arms over it. I can't I I, I can't wrap my brain around. Not provide not not allowing contraceptives to be in somebody's health care plan. Uh, however, I don't know the people who own Hobby Lobby and their actual factual to the T religious beliefs. There are people who are objected to the idea of sex being anything outside of uh, for means of conception. Uh, I believe they tend to leave lead very boring lives. <laughs> just honestly speaking, but it yeah, it is what it is. Who am I to tell somebody, 
you know, for shame on your religious beliefs, and and I'm gonna make you go against them. That's the that goes back to the the the, the baker baking the cake for you know the 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 gay couple. Should the Jewish baker be forced to bake the Nazi cake? It, it it's fun to play devil's advocate with it. Sit there and think about yourself. If, if somebody really de- if Donald Trump walked into your bar, would you want to serve him a beer, or would you be want to be able to say, "I don't like Donald Trumps. Get out of my bar." Just play a little devil's advocate there. It, it it's fun to think about scenarios from other perspectives sometimes. Uh, so there is that. Um, you did hear a, a little bit in there that Katie Couric threw in about uh, how Democrats plan to to block, and I believe you heard the voice of uh, Chuck Schumer. Well, unfortunately, I, like, I don't like Chuck Schumer. We know that. Uh, I don't, but I have more of his voice to play. Listen to this. I rise today on a matter of great importance to everyone in this body and everyone in America, the future of the Supreme Court. Last night... The president nominated Judge Neil Gorsuch. We in the Senate have a constitutional duty to examine his record robustly, exhaustively, and comprehensively, and then advise and consent if we see fit. We have a responsibility to reject if we do not. We Democrats will insist on a rigorous but fair process. There will be 60 votes for confirmation. Any one member can require it. Many Democrats already have. And it is the right thing to do. On a subject as important as the Supreme Court nomination, bipartisan support should be a prerequisite. It should be essential. That's what 60 votes does. This is nothing new. It was a bar met by each of President Obama's nominations. In my mind, 60 votes is the appropriate way to go. Whether there is a Democratic president or Republican president, Democratic Senate or Republican Senate. Mr. President, Madam President, because a 60-vote threshold is essential, those who say at the end of this process there are only two possible results, that the Senate will confirm this nominee or the Republicans will use the nuclear option to change the rules of the Senate, are dead wrong. That is a false choice. If this nominee cannot meet the same standard that Republicans insisted upon for President Obama's Supreme Court nominees, 60 votes in the Senate, then the problem lies not with the Senate, but with the nominee. The answer should not be to change the rules of the Senate, but to change the nominee to someone who can earn 60 votes. 60 votes produces a mainstream candidate. And the need for a mainstream consensus candidate now is greater now than ever before because we are in new territory. Oh, Chucky boy. You know, Chuck Schumer uh, ranted about, once upon a time, about not appointing any Bush nominee. Uh, You know, because Chuck Schumer is the beacon of bipartisan. Obviously, the beacon of bipartisanship in the Senate. And this is the thing that I, this is one of the things I hate. 
the Supreme Court gets heavy, heavily played uh, with politics. And here's the thing. We have a Constitution and we have laws that we can draft and we can amend the Constitution. The, the Constitution should be interpreted. Okay, that's how law works. I don't like this idea of how people use the Supreme Court to establish and create new law or determine that aspect of it when we have lawmakers. Lawmakers should make the law. It should be written down, and then it should be easy to interpret so that when it goes to the Supreme Court, it's pretty cut and dry. Instead, we get these long dissertations about uh, this aspect of the Constitution or this aspect of, of social changes in the United States Those are all things that happen, and it it becomes like the Supreme Court becomes the body of lawmakers. No, that's not what the court is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the highest court in the land determining, based on the laws, whether an action was lawful or unlawful, or whether an action is lawful or unlawful. That's the way that I have understood it to be. So, here's Chuck Schumer playing politics. Now, can, can we really blame him for playing politics? Uh, the way I recall this happened when uh, President Obama was closing out, he came up and said, now my, uh, my Supreme Court uh, nominee uh, to replace uh, Antonin Scalia, forgive my Obama, it is terrible, uh, will be uh, uh, Merrick Garland. And the, the, the Senate GOP came up and said, screw you and your nominee! We have an election coming up! You have no right to do this! Yeah, uh, kind of ridiculous because, you know, the GOP, the, the, Merrick Garland didn't even have a hearing. The GOP said, I don't even bother. I don't even bother. We're about to have an election and you suck and you're on your way out. So bye. Bye, Felicia. But really, let's let's start acting like adults now, okay? What happened happened. Now we have Neil Gorsuch. Let's uh, let's give the man a hearing. I mean, at least Schumer did that. Like he he needs sixty votes to pass. He's gonna get those sixty votes. He's 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 moderately conservative. I I, I actually don't foresee it being too much of a problem for Neil Gorsuch to be uh, confirmed. That being said, uh, obviously had a pretty long week. Got another long week coming up. And I need to play some catch-up around the house. I got some chores I got to get done. Uh, I have some catching up on news and politics to catch up on because I'm a little behind. And uh, so I'm going to cut it off here. But uh, I want to put out a final word and revisit what we talked about uh, opening this podcast. My heart goes out to uh, correctional officers everywhere. Uh, of course, my immediate DOC family right here who we were all, we're all affected by this in different ways. Uh, some people worse than others. Uh, to all of you listening, uh, if you don't know about the story, I mean, I gave you the details, but you can, you can obviously log on and, uh, and run a quick Google search and, and get what you're looking for. Uh, Lieutenant Stephen Floyd, rest in peace. May we all never forget your sacrifices to the DOC. For all you listening out there, think about uh, 
your correctional officers this week and your law enforcement, your EMTs, your firefighters, they were all standing with us this past week. And we're all standing with you. As always, guys, thanks for giving me your time this week. Thanks for listening. Do me a favor, like, share, comment, uh, the FritzCast Facebook page, at FritzQS on the Twitter. I'll be seeing you guys next week, hopefully in a little better spirits. God bless. That was FritzCast. <laughs>